1: Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. How are you doing tonight? It is 6.08. It is Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. CFL action this evening. They're 10 minutes in in Toronto and the Argos have a 7-0 lead on the Ottawa Red Blacks. Ricky Ray has passed Danny McManus for 4th all-time on the CFL passing yards list. Of course, Ray getting... Several thousand of those yards, several thousands of those yards right here with the green and gold. Yesy Pugliarve signing with the Edmonton Oilers today. No surprise there, his entry-level contract. We'll talk about that. We'll tee up at the Eskimos and the Blue Bombers tomorrow night. We have Mike Riley. We have Odell Willis. We have Doug Brown, former Blue Bomber, now an analyst on CGOB. We have our own analyst, Dave Campbell. Tomorrow, 5 o'clock for the pregame show. 6.30 for the start of the game here on 6.30 Chet. Oh, Kevin Karius from Global Television is going to join us in studio a little bit later on. In studio off the top today, the irrepressibly talented, the producer of Oilers Now, it is Brendan Ulrich. Brendan, how are you doing, old boy? Well, you
2: sure know how to make a guy feel good, Reid. That's well, awesome! Thanks.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. And this Doing portion great. of uh, Inside Sports, presented by Action Furnace, home of the Fixed Right or its free guarantee. You can visit ActionFurnace.ca. Lots to talk about. A lot of little uh, news and notes to get to today. I want to ask you first. You're also our sideline reporter for Eskimos home games. How good a view did you have of the, the winning quarterback sneak? Because you're usually stationed around the 30-yard line on that side of the field.
2: Yeah, it was. It was close. Um, I- I I would've liked to have seen a replay. I was too excited. Like everyone was jumping around after I wanted to see the replay quickly, but there was too much in front of you. everyone yeah. was pumped up when the stop happened. Uh but yeah, it, it looked like it was short when I was watching. And then of course after you watch it was really clearly short. On yeah, the they replay. got a good like, spot yeah. if anything, yeah. Yeah, a generous spot if anything. So a great stop for the D after basically letting the team down <laughs> earlier in the game. Like they needed that in the worst way, and they they managed to step up for a big moment and get the job done. But uh, I'll, I know we'll talk about the Eskimos a little later. But I'm still really really concerned about that defense. So.
1: Yeah, and we're going to have Odell Willis talking about that for sure. Jesse Poliarve signs his three-year entry-level contract uh, with bonuses. It could be worth around $3.4 million, uh, you know, which affects cap stuff for next year, all that kind of stuff. But he, he gets the entry-level deal. Um, Pogliarvi fell into the Oilers' lap at the draft at that weekend. I, I thought they were going to take Matthew Kachuk. Now, after hearing some things since then, I'm not so sure. They might have stepped up and taken Sergachev at four. guess it doesn't matter now yeah. because they, they have they have Polyarve. Um We've had a lot of high picks on this team, and we've talked a lot about expectations. I expect them to be on the team because the right side still isn't great. And certainly, and I mean a lot of times with this, I'm going by Skelch as much as anything. Sure, I saw the kid play international games, you're not seeing him week after week in Finland, but, but certainly most of the Scouts thought Matthews, Line, and Poliarve all in the NHL this season. Do we, do we have expectations for this kid? I mean I, 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 and here's the thing. a lot of people said when it, and I, I, and I hate the 80s comparisons because it's not it's not fair to anybody and it's a different day and age and a different game. A lot of people said, well now McDavid has his curry. I don't look at it that way at all because a lot of the people will tell you Poljarve of the Finnish guys is the playmaker and line's the shooter. So I don't think it's that simple that it's McDavid and Poljarve or whoever setting up Poljarve. I it's to me I, I don't I don't I don't think he's uh I don't think he's a 20 goal rookie. I think he's a 40 point rookie who probably his his assist total is going to perhaps heavily
2: outweigh his goal total. Yeah, no, I'd say that's a fair expectation for a rookie season. I mean, we just watched Connor McDavid play, so we need to temper our expectations a little bit when, when it comes to this kid. But I think he can contribute and be a good player as early as his rookie season. He'll be playing with a good center. He's big. I know you had a chance to, to see him up close and personal at the draft. I went down to Jasper with uh, Bob Stoffer at the development camp, and I, I got to see him in person, although he wasn't skating. But you get, you get a chance to see how big he really is. And he's big for an 18-year-old kid. So he has that going for him. He can Skate, um, and he's going to play with either Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisettle, or Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So, I mean, I would hope it's maybe Nugent Hopkins because he's more of a veteran guy. Maybe that helps a rookie uh, get familiar with the league, and maybe I'm playing with Pouliot as well on the left side to have two experienced guys with him. And we saw. You know, the Oilers try to do that with some of their younger first-round picks over the years, but they didn't really have those guys, those veteran guys that could mesh with the skilled young players that are coming into the lineup. Well, now they do. They have, you know, those younger guys that they relied upon in the past are now getting older, and they have a guy like Lucic that they just brought in. They have a guy like Maroon Puliop. These are all veteran players that can help a young player along. So I really think 35-40 uh, points is reasonable for Pauly Arby.
1: Yeah, and if he's a middle six winger, that, that that's fine. I mean, Everly's uh, probably going to be on McDavid's right wing, so so that's your top yeah. line, and, and hopefully this guy can fit in, contribute. But the size thing is a factor. Right? I mean, 6'4", over 200 pounds, and so the forechecking, hopefully the puck possession, and yeah, if he can make some plays and distribute the puck, that's great.
2: He also has a veteran coach that can help him right from day one.
1: You can text six thirty six thirty. The phone number is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hey Reed, I was reading an article on the score about who could possibly give Matthews a run for the Calder and Pugliarve was not mentioned. What are your thoughts about that? Well, understandable because some people think Line a might have a better rookie season than Matthews because Winnipeg has a little more around him, and they were in the playoffs two years ago and then dropped out this year, and, I mean, Winnipeg won the lottery too, right? So they weren't as bad as, as some other teams. Um, I, I, w- I Again, given what Brendan and I were talking about, point total-wise, I, I would be surprised if, if Poliarve were, were in the call or discussion by the end of the year. Now, we're talking about this on, on July 13th. Um, you know, who, and then there could be some older rookies in the league. Who, who's the next... Um, Who's the next Panera this year? Who knows? <laughs> Who's coming over from the KHL? But uh, no, and I, I don't think that's I don't think that's disrespect or, or unfair. I think if we're sitting here midsummer and looking at the Calder race, sure. To me, it's math. I I didn't see that article for to that
2: texture, but to me, it's it's Matthews line A. Eh? You got a list as one on one A. Well, yeah, I think Matthews is the favorite. He's going to be the focal point in in Toronto. That go to guy. I will say this though about uh, Arvey. If he does get on the first power play unit, then look out, and that's a possibility. Read based on some things that uh, Bob Stoffer has been able to uncover that uh, he's talked about on Oilers. Now um, they might play three right shots on the top power play, and McDavid's that left-handed left winger, or no, so he's a, he's shot. on the right half wall, yeah, trying to feed those right-handed. So yeah, Weberly, Puljuhve, and they don't. I don't know who the defenseman would be, but like, well, right
1: Larson. Now, maybe Does, I mean Larson might that's the thing yeah. Larson might play on the power play Yeah. that's that's the interesting thing Larson did not uh, play on the power play in New Jersey the Oilers might have to play him there and if they yeah, if perhaps. they think he's intelligent I, I don't really know what his shot is like no one's really mentioned his shot he clearly doesn't get a lot of opportunities
2: to use it Larson might very well get a shot on the power play with the Oilers well right now it looks like that's possible maybe they bring someone else in but right now yeah very very likely
1: yeah, so I mean that's another thing that that could could work out in, in the order's favor for that trade. I, I want to touch on a, a, something else here about Larson, and I want to tie it in not to Taylor Hall for once. I want to tie it into Milan Lucic because I think some of the concerns people have about one player should make them feel optimistic about the other player. I'll explain when we get back inside Sports on Chad.
0: This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet.
1: And you'll hear from your quarterback later on tonight as we preview tomorrow's tilt between the Eskimos and the Blue Bombers. They play each other three times this season. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich in studio. Brendan, thanks for sitting in, buddy. couple texts here. Uh, Reed, do you think James Wisniewski is a second pairing guy? Uh, I don't think he's a second-pairing defender. He's Some probably a third-pairing defender. Like but his, I mean, he's, injuries, he's, yeah.
2: Yeah, he's generally used in an offensive role. Uh, I might be a guy that gets a training camp invite. Then you can sort of find out where he's at in his career because his injuries have been brutal the last couple of years. Uh, David says, what's happening with Tyson Berry?
1: Is there still a chance? I don't, I don't think for this summer. When's his arbitration? The 28th? Yeah, I think so. He's going to arbitration. He can be traded before or after. Uh, Colorado could walk away from the award, but I don't see why they would, <laughs> why yeah, they would do that and make him a UFA. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't sound like something, anything's happening there. Uh, Alex uh, says, uh, don't you think it would be better for the Oilers to bring Nuge and Dreisaitl both into the top six than have Maroon Pouliot and bring in a third-line center? You know, that's an interesting point. I would have loved to see... Dry settle on the right wing. I'm sure it'll happen at times this year, and they're still not a deep team. They're still very susceptible to injuries. And I, but I think getting to draft Pugliarve change things a little bit. I, I, they, they could have used another center or a guy who could play center and wing. That would still be a, a, a bit of a need for me. So I understand what that texture is saying, but I don't think it's it's going to happen. Well or not happen a lot. Uh, here's a great text by Jerry. What a sad little city we live in. Middle of summer and nonstop talk about the Oilers and hockey. Is this all you know about? Well Jerry, I hope you tune into the rest of the show. I got an Eskimos <laughs> Bombers preview coming up between uh six thirty and seven thirty. Kevin Carey is going to drop by to talk about a variety of sports topics. At 8 o'clock tonight, I have a young lady from Legale, Alberta, who's a member of the Canadian wheelchair basketball team and, his, and who's going to compete in the Paralympics. And before the end of the show tonight, I have an Edmonton guy who is a drag racer and competing at Castrol Raceway. Is that, is that enough sports knowledge for you, Jerry? Is that enough variety on a show called Inside Sports? Text back and let me know, Jerry. Okay, is that you said, is that all you know about? Well, I just answered your question, buddy. So just text me, text me back, and if, if they still let me know, that's an adequate sports show in your mind. It fired up. I love it. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I, no, I, don't, I don't like, you, being, you com- I don't like being combative with people. But, hey, the Oilers are the number one team yeah. in this community. I mean, go listen to a, a, a New York station in December. They're talking about the Yankees. That's and just how And there it is goes. news
2: to talk about today, number one. But number two... I've listened to your, your last few shows where you've been hitting on everything. I mean, you had Olympic athletes on, Olympic referee. You had women's football players in yeah. the studio. And like Oilers stuff yeah, because all people still want
1: to talk about that and have daily conversation about it. <laughs> so I don't mind having variety, Jerry. I don't know what show you're listening to, but uh, anyway. Uh, thanks to Ryan who just texted in as well, comment I can't read on the radio. Uh, here's my thing about Adam Larson to, to get back to the Oilers talk, which we, which we are doing here off the top. So Milan Lucic signed for seven years. And, and there was justifiably so, I guess, some nerves about, well, what if he's not good at the length of the deal? Which I, which I, I think we need a player like that. The Oilers need a player like that. But hey, should it, could it, could it, uh, sure, could he wear down? It, it's possible. He's still not going to be that old at the end of the deal, 34, 35. But let me ask you this. For all the people that are concerned about the length of Lucic's deal, shouldn't you be equally thrilled about having Adam Larson under contract for the next five years? Fair enough. In four years, Lucic is going to be 32. Maybe there'll be signs of wear and tear. In four years, Adam Larson will still have a year left on his deal. He'll be 27 years old. He'll have played, if he stays healthy, around 600 games, and he could still have five, six, seven peak years ahead of him. Think about that. I mean, I know I'm, I'm being the optimist here, the half-full guy, but I'm just saying to, to, to the fans who are worried about the length of the Lucic deal, hey, let's balance your thinking a little bit here, and just think about acquiring a fourth overall draft pick defenseman who appears to be well-respected, and maybe he's not going to be as quote-unquote good as Taylor Hall. Fair enough. But... I mean, we could be talking 10, 11, 12 years
2: of really solid hockey from Adam Larson. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point, Reed. And what would Hall be getting as a UFA in, in, what, three or four years? How many years did he have left on his contract? Sorry, Larson? No, Hall. He would have been getting probably seven Hall. and a half, seven on the open market. Yeah, for sure. For sure. sure. Like, like Willa Cotchefley just signed for a six-plus. So, yeah, that's a good point. And if Larson can become a top-pairing guy here in Edmonton, or even a three long-term, that's... Worth what he's making, without a doubt. And if he becomes a first pairing, that's a steal in the long run. So, yeah, I'm just and look, I
1: I, I totally understand the the anger, the dislike of the Hall trade. I, I get when I heard it, I was like, what? There's yeah. nothing else coming back. Absolutely, I I'm in with those people. But now, okay, this is the team. So what could possibly happen? And what are what is Shirelli think? Because like I've said, the people. I understand you're mad, but Shirelli didn't wake up that morning and, said, and say, what trade can I make that's going to irritate Oilers fans? So with Now, I would have loved to get a defenseman 26 to 30, would have loved to get, you know, but Larson has already played as many games as a lot of people in that range. Granted, he probably got into the league a little bit too early. So, you know, wait and see. And I think Lucic can help, certainly short term, short to medium
2: term and Larson might be able to help short, medium, and long-term. Well, Lucic is going to be a fan favorite. He already is a fan favorite right from day one, especially when he was wearing the McDavid shirt at the airport and stuff like that. Just a fan favorite. He's going to be a hero here. So let's just be patient. Uh, Quick text before we wrap up the half
1: hour. Magic Mike says, Yessi Pogliarvi is the best skater of all the rookies. He will be in contention for the Calder. He heard it here first. Magic Mike, that's cool. Uh, Alex says, <laughs> hey, Reed, I think the Oilers should trade McDavid for Chara. What do you think? <laughs> Alex, try that on NHL 16 and let us know if it goes through. <laughs> I guess. Ah, good one, Alex. You sticking around for Doug Brown? Yeah. We'll talk wait. to uh, Doug Brown, very opinionated former bomber, about the state of his old team when we get back inside sports on Chet.
2: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad.
1: Grigsby. Grigsby. Nick Grigsby. Get me some DraftKings points, Brendan Ork. Love the CFL DraftKings. Oh, it is pretty it's good. Per- perfect size for DraftKings. Four, oh, yeah. four games perfect. a week.
2: Yeah. It's hard picking guys. Oh yeah, it's tough. I usually look up on the Eskimos.
1: Well, on the top receivers so in the far. league, because you know, and you never know what receiver is going to have a big game. Like usually, you can count on
2: Williams having good stats and Bowman. Well, I've been trying to fade Williams, which hasn't worked out. Yeah, what, for, does, what does that mean? I don't. It know means the people. general in those big pools, the general public looks at who did good the week before, so they're going to say, "Oh, Williams, he just two touchdowns. I'll take him again." Right, and of course that backfired last week because he had three more touchdowns. Right, <laughs> so, so it's you, called the fade. You try going. to fade the pub with the public's the consensus, but it didn't work out. Uh, so it
1: is now 13-7 Toronto leading Ottawa early in the second quarter Reed Wilkins inside sports joined tonight for the by, uh, for the first hour by Brendan Ulrich producer of Oilers Now and our sideline reporter for Eskimos games a lot of home games in the first half of the season for the green and gold but tomorrow they are on the road in Winnipeg and Blue Bombers analyst from CJOB Doug Brown joins us now a former Blue Bomber himself Doug how are you doing buddy?
0: Doing very well. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: You know, if if you would have, if there would have been DraftKings when you played, I I would have taken you all the time. And didn't you catch the uh, couple touchdown passes in your career?
0: I only uh, I only had one touchdown. Um, I, had a, I had an interception in the NFL, but only one touchdown in the CFL. That was a fumble recovery. So we, uh, you know, I wanted to be on that goal line package, but uh, I don't. I'm not sure the exact reason why I never made it out there, but.
1: Yeah, see, I thought you got to line up as a tight end a couple times in your career, but I must be confusing you with some other six foot ten.
0: Maybe a little bit on uh, field goal and extra point uh, protection. I, I've been out before on the on the end at the end spot, but uh, no action for the end. Actually, you know what? We had some fakes. That, now that you're actually you brought this up, you're taking me back. We had some fakes design, but we never actually. Uh, I never actually got to run them. So.
1: Do the like, how do the what do the defenses the defensive guys do in practice? Do you talk about oh if I get a if I get a touchdown this is how I'm going to celebrate or this is what I do? cuz some some defensive players could go seasons with without ever touching the ball.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's why it's so special, right? That's why we uh, it's like winning the lottery, right? You, you think about what you'd spend all the money on, but it never happens. So uh that's why defensive linemen we spend a lot of time this is what I would do if I scored a touchdown or I caught a pass, blah, blah, blah. And then we obviously, uh, we make sure the offensive players know that really what they're doing isn't that hard.
2: Right. <laughs> Did you ever uh, somersault like the Eskimos seem to do, their defensive line after the a real sack? The
0: little roll. yeah. yeah. Um, you practice no, that? No, we had some planking going on. Uh, one of my last years with Swaggerville in uh, 2011, we had a pretty good defense, and and the planking began then, but uh, I didn't really participate in that either. When you're when you're uh, as tall as me, as as you know, uh, all getting all the way down to the ground and getting back up is quite uh, quite an exercise. So you always try to stay. <laughs> what was stay upwards uh, and mobile?
1: What What was Odell Willis like as a teammate?
0: He was a firecracker. Um, I I never had any problems with him because uh, you know I knew what he brought to the table, and and everybody has you know we're all we're all flawed in some sense or aspect some of us have, have more swaths than others, but uh, you know, I, uh, I, you know, we got along great. Um, I was one of the captains of, of that defense and uh, he was a vocal guy. He was an emotional, energetic guy. And, uh, but, you know, I understood what he, he brought to our defense. He was, he was a valuable guy. Um, he was just, there's so many things he could do. And it was just a matter of, of having him uh, play in the right spot and, and making sure that, you know, he was happy in the role he was playing.
2: Uh, let's look a bit ahead to the game here tomorrow night. Um, are the Bombers out of dodge yet? Because there was all this talk, okay, they're this big improved team. They made all this noise in the off season. They added all these big names. And then they, they struggled out the gate. But they get the, the job done last week against Hamilton. Are, yeah. are they in the clear here? Or is this another must-win game for the Blue Bombers?
0: Well, they're in the clear as long as they win. Let's put it that way. I mean you, you get a reprieve, right? Um Hamilton is a difficult place to go in and play that defense. Absolutely murdered Drew Willie last year. They knocked him out of the game twice. Uh the second time they knocked him out of the game was his season ending injury. So very, very difficult uh team for, for the Bombers in terms of how they've matched up previous years. So come out of there with a win, even though obviously Zach Kolaris is not playing. Jeremiah uh, Mazzoli was uh, the starting quarterback, and uh, the Bombers, uh, to their benefit, uh, uh, forced and or were the lucky recipients of six turnovers in that game. So um, it, it was a big win for them. But obviously, you know, now there's expectation. Like, okay, and uh, this is going on the fourth year that Investors Group Field has been open, and they've only had seven wins at home. So um if you want to be considered you know a viable entity uh, they also need to put two games uh, two wins together which is something they haven't done so um, very big game for for Winnipeg at home in front of the fans they want to give these fans a reason to believe in this season and uh, you you have to be able to win two games in a row you have to be able to win at home uh, you have to be able to beat a team uh, the caliber of Edmonton if you want to be relevant in this western picture so uh, just as much riding on, at, at stake this week, I think for for Winnipeg as there was last week,
1: Doug. And you and I, I mean, you and I do this two or three times a year whenever these two teams play, and and whenever there's an, another storyline. And and like you mentioned, it's been tough for the Bombers. And I, when I did my preseason predictions, and I'm usually wrong in my predictions, but I, I did have the Bombers with the worst record in the league, and I thought, great Harris, great all these other guys. Yeah. And I still think if I rank the quarterbacks, Drew Willie's the, the ninth best starter in the CFL. And I mean, that, that that this franchise has been plagued by that. They've never gone out and, and found a guy, like traded for the Mike Riley or been the Buono formula. Buono always has two good guys, and the Bombers a lot of years, in my mind, hasn't haven't even had one good guy.
0: Yeah, you know, and uh, that's the interesting thing is that the, the upper echelon here in Winnipeg, they think that Drew Willie is the guy. Um, they blame their, their lack of success on the injuries he's had of late. Um, I, I tell you, watching him uh, closely like we have, uh, he has moments where he looks like a top tier quarterback in the CFL. However, those moments come with an asterisk. Uh, he needs a clean pocket. Um, he needs you know, he can't be uh, taking a lot of shots, a lot of hits early on because he does get rattled, then he gets happy feet, and, and then things can fall apart for him. But when he's composed and deliberate and decisive in the, in a, in the pocket and he's not being uh, dumped on his head uh, down after down, I think he can be a very good quarterback, and uh, they've been on that here in Winnipeg. Uh, he's, he's making over $400,000 a year right now. Uh, this is the first year of his uh, new deal. So uh, the powers that be are, are convinced that he is the guy, and I agree with you. Um, he's been uh, he's been pretty spotty, and uh, you know, especially this year, we haven't quite seen him regain the form and and play up to the expectations we've had with him in previous seasons before he got hurt. So definitely uh, a lot riding on his performance, and it's weird. You look at his numbers, like his his passing yardage total and his completion percentage and everything. I think it's number two, uh, just behind Trevor Harris in the CFL right now. So the numbers are certainly misleading because I, I do agree with you guys, uh, to a, an extent that he has not played very well this season, but the bomber brass here, uh, definitely expect him to be their, their savior to lead him out of this. Well,
2: Doug, he does have some new shiny toys to uh, play with. Of course, uh, Dressler, uh, Smith. I've grown to appreciate Jace Davis. We were talking about DraftKings earlier, and he's a nice cheap option on <laughs> DraftKings. He's been pretty productive so far this season. And then you have yeah. Harris as well. How has that helped him?
0: Well, you know, it's good. The, the problem is that they keep changing all these uh, these pieces and these new, new toys every year. So hopefully, uh, you know, uh, whoever the quarterback uh, remains, in Winnipeg, if it's going to be Drew Willy, uh, hopefully they get to play with these same toys for more than one season. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Darwin Adams, I think Jace Davis are, are new and talented possible upcomers. Uh, I hope you get a couple a couple seasons left in, in Western Dressler. And I think Ryan Smith. I mean, the guy can catch a football without even looking at it. So um, you know they have some ability there. Uh, hopefully they have the guy behind the center to be able to deliver those footballs to them.
1: Doug, it's always great to have you on the show, man. It's it's an interesting matchup uh, tomorrow because obviously there are some issues uh, defensively for the Eskimos, too, and we're going to talk about that uh, as we move along. But uh, thanks again, and uh, yeah, we'll talk again later this summer, buddy. I appreciate it.
0: Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, it should be an interesting game tomorrow. See how it goes down.
1: That is Doug Brown checking in from CJOB in Winnipeg. Uh, one of the greats to play along the defensive line in the Canadian Football League, and as he mentioned, he was in the uh, in the NFL as well. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, I... I'm and I've. But I guess you know I could look like a fool in about 26 hours if the Eskimos lose. And again, the Eskimos are susceptible to things. But I just see this Bombers team. Th- I mean, they have not won the Grey Cup in an, in what has largely been an eight team league. They have not won it since 1990. I mean, they have nine teams now. They had nine for a while, and they had I guess as many as 13 when they were when they were, they were American teams. They've had some good. The 2001 Bombers team was 14 and four, one of the best regular season teams I've ever seen. Didn't win the Grey Cup. 0-7, They, you know, Kevin Glenn gets hurt in the East Final. They got to play. Remember who played for Winnipeg quarterback in that game against the Riders? No. Ryan Dinwiddie. Oh, geez. Remember him? And, I mean, that was a close game. <laughs> that was a close game. I mean, Saskatchewan didn't have a great afternoon, but they won. And then the 2011 team started hot and then just pretty much got annihilated in the Great Cup by the BC Lions. So they've they've had little peaks where they get back, but they've never had a consistent, reliable quarterback or a guy who's in the conversation for being one of the top three in the league.
2: Well, it, Willie gets it hurt every year as well, so that doesn't help things. Um I think the fact that they have Andrew Harris, though, will help Willie a lot this year. He can hand it off to him at any time, and he can also dump it off to him when he when he feels pressure. So I think having a running back like that may help this uh, Bombers team. Hard to tell how good they are um, with all the additions. They're pretty, like, they added, like, eight big free agents. Yeah, they so did. We're still trying yeah, to figure got, out how good gotta, they are. you got to get them the ball, right? And yeah.
1: I, know Ryan, I know Willie has some good stats, and... and and he was like, what, seventy-five percent last week against the Hamilton Tiger Cats? Fair enough. But what did Doug say in there? You hit him, you get some pressure. He gets happy feet and he yeah. gets rattled, and that's the exact opposite of Mike Riley. Riley's the ultimate stand in there. Oh, yeah. Don't get rattled. He feeds off He'd that. Keep Yeah, he, yeah. He almost, he almost. Here's the thing about Riley. He almost needs to screw up earlier <laughs> in the game, <laughs> and then he's gonna have something go wrong, and then he plays even better. Yeah. I mean, this Eskimos team went fourteen and four last year with rarely blowing anybody out. So, uh, anyway, I, I I gotta favor the Eskimos tomorrow despite their problems. Maybe I'm being a the cocky homer, but I just look at I look at how Winnipeg has played over their first three games, and they and here's another thing: Winnipeg did everything in their power last week to blow yeah. that game against Hamilton, yeah. but Mazzoli couldn't hang
2: onto the ball. Oh, Mazzoli was brutal. But give credit to the Bombers' defense as well a little bit, but. Uh, I favor the Eskimos big time as well. I don't like the Eskimos' defense. I think it's going to be a problem all season. I don't think there's any way to sort of mask uh, some of the problems they have in that secondary. Uh, but their offense is just ridiculous. Like, we're two two games in, and they, they look like they're in midseason form. Or they're only going to get better. And you, I know you in your blog you talked a lot about John White, just what he means. They made it a focal point last week to get John White involved early, and they did just that. And it, although their offense was slow to get started, when their their passing game got going, all of a sudden you had White that was going from earlier as well. He just kept picking up steam. So there's just so many options out there. Uh, the offense is just... And it's fun to watch. That's what I... I love watching the Eskimos this season. Well, just I mean, when they went 98 watch.
1: yards in two plays or whatever yeah. it was <laughs> to, it's so to Watson, and, and, uh, to Watson and, and Bowman and a 56-yard touchdown on second and 21. So it's nice. It has that element to it. But yeah, John White... Is a, a nice addition because last year, the in I mean they had some good running. I think Bell's first game he had a good game, but they didn't have a consistent running back. And Riley was often the biggest threat to run. And in the Grey Cup, he was the Eskimos' leading rusher. Granted, some of that about twenty yards of that at the end when they were running out the clock, but still. But Riley said today upon arriving in Winnipeg how important it is to have White back. Having John White
2: back is a huge benefit to us. You know, when we lost him last year, I said I thought he was the best running back in the league, and that was huge in a negative way for us to lose him. It, it makes it difficult to be as balanced
1: as you want to be. Um, but having him back... Um, and just having the same 5-0 lineman that we've had for a while now makes our running attack really dangerous and our wide receivers understand that and they're blocking downfield for him and on the flip side when we are throwing the ball down the field I know he's going to pick up whoever his responsibility is he's great in the pass protection so um, you know it's nice to have him back and it certainly makes our offense more balanced. And Jason Moss is committed to calling run plays you could see that even when they fell behind early against Saskatchewan he he has uh, thirty-seven touches for for two hundred and two yards in two games. Touches I am combining receptions because that's part of what a running back has to do. So if, if I think they want him around eighteen twenty touches a game, yeah, and they're committed to running the ball, sometimes running it on second down. And what about that third and two gamble against Saskatchewan? Where they handed it off to White, it was, and it was a simple here. Here's the ball going to John White, and O line get him the yards. John White get the rest. So I, I like that with Moss because if they keep White as a consistent threat, it's only going to make it easier for Walker and Bowman and the boys.
2: Well, yeah, and that's that's exactly what happened last game. Um, they White touched the ball five out of the first six plays on offense, I think. Like, through the air, they dumped it to him a couple times. Now, that was because Saskatchewan had some pressure on him. But still, White was the guy that sort of, you know, when the offense wasn't going, he was their only steady option. And then all of a sudden, when Bowman gets going, and Walker had a couple big plays, all of a sudden, look out! You can't. Who do you stop? Do you try to stop, sell it to stop the run with John John White, or do you try to cover Bowman or Walker? Like it's impossible for defenses to do. And then you have Jason Moss, this offensive mastermind that's throwing all these tricky maneuvers in as well. So the offense is a, is a handful. 13-7 Toronto leading Ottawa. Two and a half minutes left in
1: the first half at BMO Field. Brendan's going to stick around at the top of the hour. I want to ask you about. Uh, Something else that go, is, is going on in your life that I'm, I'm quite curious about. And uh, Dave Campbell, the top of the hour. Kevin Carries is going to be in studio. You'll hear more from Mike Riley, Odell Willis as well. Busy show, Inside Sports on Chet.
2: This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet.
1: You can text us at 636 30. 630. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich joining me in studio. Text to 636 30. 630. I don't know why the Eskimos run it so much. Just put the ball near Watkins or Bowman. They will bring it down for reception. I like the run game, but they are using it too much. Yeah, see, I, I don't think so. And I I, I just I, and I know I, I know Bowman, you know, reeled off some big plays. Walker's been a little quieter, I guess, relative to last year, those those still dangerous. But I just think Moss doesn't want to be he doesn't want his team to be, okay, yeah, they're gonna run for the first quarter and then go away from the guy. Like he he keeps with it. They think and A and B, they think White is talented. They don't think they're they're handing it to a below average back, and I think he wants to force the other team to have that seventh guy in the box as opposed to just having the four linemen and the two linebackers. He wants that hybrid linebacker, you know, the 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 nickel guy or whatever they call him, he wants that guy to be pulled into the box to try to stop the run, and he wants to create more one-on-one matchups for the guys on the outside. I mean, like you said, Brendan, I think a big reason that the Eskimos were able to reel off some big passing yeah. plays is because
2: they kept establishing White. Well, yeah, I mean, Bowman was covered pretty... I mean, they they were all over Bowman in the first quarter, first half, and then all of a sudden, he's wide open. Now some of that's Darius Bowman and his talent, but a lot of it also has to do with John White being a, a factor, and he sort of is a guy... He brings so much intensity and ferocious. Yeah, you love seeing him oh, down on the sidelines, don't you? He sparks the... Like, he sparked that offense. Like, no one had any intensity last week. It was weird. Like, it was sort of like everyone oh, yeah, you know, whatever, we'll just sort of... You know, ease their way into this, but John White, right from the opening kickoff, he was the guy that just ready to go, and it sparked things. And then all of a sudden, as I mentioned, all of a sudden Bowman's open, and then Watson's also open. <laughs> like Watson reeled off a hundred-yard game, so there's just so yeah, many, he's so many he's weapons. been
1: a pleasant surprise, yeah. hasn't he? That's that's who they hope they signed when they got him last year. Six fifty-five inside sports on six thirty, Chet. Um, all right, so you mentioned that. I, I I don't play a lot of video games anymore. Like the last Madden I was really into was was several years ago. So you were saying that that uh, the win of the uh, the Dressler catch last week was it Dressler that caught that one. Or Was it Smith or Smith? Yeah, sorry, Smith, Smith caught that. That that was a Madden glitch.
2: Yeah, well, we receiver receiving be yeah, looking automatically, mad and glitch. Yeah, like it's something you'd see in the game when you're like, what? How the hell did that? The ball happen? just magically
1: yeah. sticks to the guy. Yeah. So okay. It was pretty cool. Now tell me about before you go home here today. What is this Pokemon Go? Because <laughs> I Pokemon weren't they, aren't they the little cartoon animals that were popular in the '90s or something? Well, or was yeah. it a game
2: or am I thinking of There a Pog's? was Pokemon cards when when, oh, okay. I, when I was growing up. You would collect Pokemon cards, and I was never into it really. Uh, it was expensive, number one, but everyone seemed to love Pokemon cards. So that was how it sort of started. Then there was, I think, Nintendo, Game Boy, or whatever. The, so you'd have to buy cards to build a deck and play against yeah, somebody really else Yeah, so you hockey card sets, but you're collecting Pokemon cards. And yeah, you, I guess they have, I don't Abilities know. Abilities and stuff? Yeah, so. Okay. I never did collect Pokemon cards. <laughs> this one's super cards.
1: annoying. Maybe. Yeah.
2: But this Pokemon Go, I mean, it's taken over the world. It's unbelievable. Uh, I just down- downloaded it yesterday, and in the well, back you're of my playing
1: mind, Pokemon Go.
2: Yes, I do have it. I may have to let it go though, because you need to make a choice with this game, either you're all in and you're uh you're going out and about patrolling the streets, you're out in the park you're you're going all in all day, basically because that's what kids out there are doing, like there are kids out of school right now, so you hold that are up just your, it all day.
1: you hold up your phone with your camera activated to show the real world. And yeah. these little virtual Pokemon's appear, and you walk to them and
2: collect them. Is that yeah, what they, happens? They appear on a, on like a GPS map. It's like a Google Map sort of. And you'll, as you're moving, you'll find they'll pop up. And then once you click on it, then it will. So what's the point? You can you camera. win money? There's no point. You just it's just a <laughs> you fight your Pokemon and you try to collect them all. I don't know. And I've re- I've read people have been doing it while they've been driving. Oh, it's dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> that's the so- thing. Why walk when you can drive and catch more Pokemon quicker? So then do you just have to walk to where they
1: virtually are and they virtually jump into your phone?
2: Yeah, basically.
1: I don't know why they appear there or how, but they're there. Okay, now is it true that somebody was searching for Pokemon and found a dead body?
2: Yeah, I read that story. (laughs) That's that's amazing. Could you imagine that? Well, no, I can't imagine oh, yeah. playing Pokemon Go. I, well, mean, I can't I'm imagine I'm playing. Giving, that's that's scary. Okay, so I'm giving up. I'm not going to play anymore. It's, no, yeah, I think well, you I, are. Well, either you have, I have a job. I work. I have a girlfriend. I go to the gym. I can't. Like you need so to you go. Have out. To be, you have to be on it for hours. Oh, walking yeah, around. Basically.
1: So does it show you? Does it only show you the Pokemon if he's close to you, or will it show you on a map? Well, this one's 15 blocks away. You got
2: to go no, over there. No, it's only and when get you get close. There's like, it tells you that they're within a certain amount of steps. And it sort of hints that okay, you're getting closer to him. this Pokemon, and maybe you can find him. And then, but then he actually appears on your screen yeah. as a little virtual booger guy. Yeah, basically. And then you throw a Pokemon ball at it. You fuck your the Pokemon. Oh, ball. you can't just walk over where he is. You have to do interact on your phone with it. Yeah, him. you just fuck it like, and then it. You have to hit
1: him in the head basically, and then it catches well, so the Pokemon. So you have to injure the Pokemon. Yeah, basically. you have to <laughs> knock the Pokemon unconscious, <laughs> and then
2: you get him. and Then you get a point. Yeah. Or whatever. It is. The best part about it, though, is kids are getting out and about, and they're, you know, exploring there. Instead of playing video games Oh, so that's the justification. It gets them physically active and on their phones at the same time. But you're also using all your data on your phone as well. So I don't know how these kids can do it. Like, they must have unlimited data plans. Because if you're out there. you're not on Wi-Fi. Yeah, you're not on Wi-Fi in these fields and wherever you're looking for (laughs) Pokemon. So it's fun, addicting, but uh, you need to be all in or give it up. All right. Thanks for sticking around, buddy. Thanks for having me. Oh, good text
1: message here about uh, going for two. I'll read that. Jody, that's a good one. I'd go for two all the time. I would. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers do? Yeah, I'd go for two all the time. All you have to do is be successful two-thirds of the time, and you'll get more points than than kicking the one. Why not? Kevin Carius is going to drop into studio. Dave Campbell as well. you'll, You'll get Brendan on Oilers now tomorrow. News weather traffic up next. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.